Welcome back to the Pod of DC. I'm your host, Rick Bernstein. I hope you're having a fine, fine day. Well, I hope everyone is enjoying their summer and taking time with friends and family to go and do or stay and sharpen and reflect or just relax. You know, it's in these dog days of summer that provide the time to take on an extra project or explore a new passion or interest, maybe something to monetize or just something to make a difference with. For me, the summer has provided time to travel a little bit and see my kids off and return from camp and reconnect with some interesting people who have wanted to spotlight here on the podcast for a while. My next guest on the pod, I actually met in the most JMU of ways through networking. I had met my next guest's husband at a business forum here in Northern Virginia in the spring. And as soon as he shared with me that she was a fellow JMU Duke, I knew we'd not only hit it off immediately, but most likely share quite a few things in common. Little did I know then just how many things we do share from interests and passions, similar career paths, and just overall frequency. Tina Fox is an entrepreneur, creator and CEO of Turn Mentoring, a B Corporation providing a platform for individuals to share their experiences and live their legacy through mentorship. We kick off this episode of the pod discussing the importance of vulnerability in mentorship how mentors and mentees can share their wisdom and experiences, the whole process of pairing a mentor and mentee together, and the crucial role of connections and networking in career advancement. Tina's positive vibe and overall frequency you just can't help but be inspired and motivated by. So without further ado, here she is, Tina Fox. Enjoy. You know, I think when people first meet in a mentorship situation, there's some formalities. And we, we try to help quell some of those formalities by sharing of the profile to the other person, mentee to mentor, mentor to mentee, prior to even the first meeting. And, and so that gives them, oh, there's certain commonalities. You know, mm-hmm. we, we've, we obviously went to the same university. Maybe we studied the same thing. Maybe we lived in the same hometown. So there are certain commonalities that I think can break down getting to being vulnerable. But I think if you're good in asking your questions about, you know, where in your life did you feel you had it all figured out and then you felt like you didn't? Tell me about that. Mm-hmm. And, and simply just asking that question, if the person who's on the receiving end of that is honest in their answer, I think you can get real deep real fast. This is the number one thing mentors tend to say to me when they're contemplating mentorship. They want to know if they're qualified, which I always find an interesting question because I'm thinking, gosh, okay, I'm speaking to a 35-year-old, 45-year-old, 55-year-old, 75-year-old. And they're asking if they're qualified to pass on wisdom to an 18 to 22-year-old. They don't think of it in those terms. They just, they think very specific as to, well, I've been a structural engineer for 40 years. What could I possibly pass on to somebody who's 19 that would be of interest in structural engineering? And it's like, no, it's not about the details of structural engineering. It's about the lessons learned And if you're honest in the lessons learned and where you failed and where you succeeded and how you had to figure things out and you tell your stories, inevitably you're going to be sharing a part of you that was vulnerable because you had to figure it out, Mm -hmm. right? And when you're figuring things out, that's the soft underbelly of who we are, right? Because we don't have the armor up. We don't know. We're we're going into battle and it's like, I got to figure this out as I'm in the midst of all of it. And so having those conversations, despite what industry you're in, what age you're in, you could be five months out of school. It doesn't matter. You're five months ahead of the next person behind you. And they're just looking at like, well, what happened in the interviews? Whereas maybe a 75-year-old has forgotten about what happened in the interviews because they're running their own company now. 
But there is there is wisdom and vulnerability and learnings that are applicable in a universal sense at any age and in any industry with any person. And it's really trying to help the mentor see that in that you are overqualified for the conversation with these individuals. And they, the mentees, they just suck it up because they're like, wow, this person is here for my benefit. They have chosen to come in as a mentor. They didn't know who I was. They're not connected to me in the way that we are traditionally connected when we're under 21, right? It's, it's professors or teachers, peers, and parents. But here we have somebody who's not any one of those three. They're just this extra person and or professional who's decided to come in for my benefit, share their wisdom and their experience, ask me questions, get to know me, some of my fears, some of my, my enthusiastic, exciting things that I'm looking forward to, and just sort of help me talk it over and figure it out. That's like the beauty of that connection. And there's tons of vulnerability in that. And I don't think I'd be able to speak to that today had I not myself gotten vulnerable, you know, in the last 16, 17 years. How do you coach a mentor towards things to focus on per se in their career? Because some things might not apply, some things do apply, and it might not come naturally. Let's say they have the mentor heart, they're open to it, and they want to make a difference and they want to help. How do you get them to the point where they can share pivotal points that could make an impression on the mentee, but things that are appropriate, that weave accordingly, that don't kind of scatter and and spend a lot of time on things that maybe isn't applicable to the mentee? Yeah, so there's two parts to that. It's built into the program, but then as far as the conversations I have with the mentors, so I'll, I'll talk to both of those. So the built into the program part is, you know, if you were to go to a networking event and it's your first time at a networking event and you're just frozen, you're at a lack of, well, how, who am I going to talk to? What am I going to say? But sometimes at networking events, they'll have cards on the table, right? And they'll say, you know, here, ask this question just to help as kind of grease the skids, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so at Turn Mentoring, we have conversational topics with some suggestions to help grease the skids in, gotcha. those, in those areas. So that's part of the program. Now, as far as speaking to the mentors directly, that coaching that goes on is really to talk about more of the ubiquitous topics. So for instance, let's say you're in deep sea diving or you are in structural engineer or you're in med tech, regardless, when it comes to the conversation or the topic of reliability, what's been your experience in how reliability matters? And so now you're bringing a specific instance of what might be germane to you. However, you're talking about this overarching conversation that is applicable to anybody. We all want to have reliable things in our life. And and how does that impact us when it is not reliable? How does that make us better as a team when it is reliable? So there are different ways in which somebody who's deep sea diving might talk versus somebody who's a structural engineer. And that leads me to the thought of, you know, this is why we want many mentors Mm. because you get many different perspectives. So don't worry about somebody else's perspective. Go with yours on these larger topics. And that's great. Use your specific examples because that's what you know. And, And that's how you can help people. And folks are not so focused on a lane that they couldn't come outside of the lane. We got to give people more credit, right? Right. They can come outside of a specific lane and see how, okay, so I see where that was really important for you and how that affected you on this project or this job or whatever. But this is how I can also see it affecting me and what I'm dealing with. So allow them to take the conversation there for themselves. 
And then how do the mentees know exactly what to ask? Because yeah. a lot of times it's just being, don't we love being talked at? <laughs> it's like, well, okay, that really wasn't what I was thinking. And you just got my major wrong. And actually, I wasn't thinking about going into that. <laughs> with, with mentees, so. what I've learned today is um, these younger generations are less engaged with one-to-one conversation because we have this wonderful thing called the internet and we have every screen and device available to us. So whereas in the past we would have curiosities and we would have to go seek another human being to answer those questions. We don't have to do that anymore. I I mean, you know, Google will tell you everything and uh, sometimes it's right, sometimes it's wrong. But I think what you know, what we try to support the students on, or any mentee for that matter, is we really want you to have a very healthy, authentic curiosity about yourself. And when they ask me, well, what's authentic curiosity? Authentic curiosity is having a curiosity. We have questions in our head. It's having the courage to ask those questions, not worrying about, is it going to come out right? Am I going down the right path? Just start. Just start asking the questions. And then in hearing the responses... And part of that hearing then ties into the second thing that we try to work with mentees on is the listening skills. In the listening of the response, don't worry about, well, then I got to have another question to ask. Don't worry about that. Just listen to the response. If you're truly authentic in the moment and being present and you are truly curious about this, you're going to find something in what they say that will automatically lead you to a next question. And that's kind of where it goes. And sometimes it doesn't go on a linear path. Sometimes it goes kitty wampus and that's fine. Let it go mm-hmm. kitty wampus because you never know where those conversations are going to lead. So just let it, let it go. Don't feel like you need to be in control of it. Don't feel like it needs to be hyper-formalized. Just have a good authentic curiosity and then listen well and then just keep that train going. Don't think that because of my experience or my time on this earth that, oh, I now know this as a fact I've been disproven on that so many times. And so having a healthy sense of humility about yourself and knowing that I could be wrong on this, because I remember somebody had told me a long time ago, and I love this saying, um, there can be two truths that exist at the same time. And that is where I have found I have been discredited in my understanding of something, that as we evolve, as time goes on, as things change and shift, just because I had an answer to something in the past doesn't necessarily mean that it's the same today. And so I have to just keep that really broad sense of curiosity. I think as, as we get older, we, we shut down on the curiosity. And so one of the reasons I love being around mentees is their depth of curiosity is so much greater. And I'm like, oh, get back into that pool. That, that's a cool pool mm-hmm. to be playing in. But you can teach questions to ask, but can you teach curiosity? Or is that something you think it's part of your DNA? You're kind of born with it. I do think that there are people that are naturally... I'm looking at one, yes. <laughs> I, th- I, I think so. I do. I really, I, I, and I hate to sound skeptical, but I, I, there's a lot of things in life and skill sets and stuff I feel like are gifts. And I feel like you're kind of born with it and it's in you. And some folks just have a inability to maybe see outside themselves, see outside their circumstance, put themselves in that person's shoes and walk a mile. So... With the program, we have the the topics and we have right. the, the starters. So it's kind of a guide yeah. to, to get there. But then at some point, you know, if I'm being honest about it, you got to allow that individual to take it where they want to take it. And some will take it to wild places and have lots of different questions. And some will 
stick with a very finite time frame, and maybe that's all they wanted or needed to get out of that. I won't fault them for that. I mean, if people get value out of something, no matter how far they take it or, you know, how short the conversation, how long the conversation, mm-hmm. then, then so be it. My role, I feel, through turn mentoring is just being that conduit of interpersonal interaction, giving them that platform in which they can leverage and connect on a deeper level with multitudes of individuals should they choose. That's mm-hmm. that's my role. Where they take it with them, I got to leave it up to them. And I'm hoping right. that they they do a good job with that. But I know that as people are comfortable with things, that they'll they'll move a little bit further along on it. Mm-hmm. And if we can make that ripple in the pond, I'm super happy with that. Yeah. Now Tell me about the pairing process. How are you taking the mentor and the mentee and matching them up? Yeah, so we have algorithms that are built into the software that are looking for certain commonalities, but it's also looking for certain things that may be a better match. So if somebody says that they're in structural engineering, I keep going to that. The algorithm looks for commonalities, but it also looks for things like, I would like to get better in these types of tasks. And if somebody who is a structural engineer is really great and exhibits these types of skills, Mm -hmm. then they might be a good match. So it might be something that you don't have, but you're seeking. So there's different opportunities there. And then depending on the program, because some programs are made for organizations, they could be for-profit, non-profit, Some platforms are made for the collegiate set. So it it can be very different. It could be very hyper-specialized within a company. Maybe it's a high potential looking to move into leadership and they are focused on, you know, six pillars of their credo of their company. So it could be something that's very specific to that. With the collegiate set, it tends to be a little bit more broad topic that we will start to match people on. So there's some sophistication behind the scenes, it sounds like. Dig just a little bit deeper into that. So starting from square one, turnmentoring.com, I visit the site. I go on ahead and sign up as a mentor. Mm -hmm. A mentee comes in, a JMU grad, or they could be, what, a junior, senior coming up for an internship. Could be a freshman, sophomore. Doesn't matter. Sounds like there's some personality typey stuff in there, maybe a little bit interest. What have you done? What do you enjoy? And then we're starting to kind of magic sauce, cook this up and then say, actually, this kind of matches the profile of this mentor over here. Am I getting that is exactly to how the I, gist that, of it? That Very is technical exactly, with the sauce. I was just going to say, that's exactly how a comm major would answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, it's basically, I've got this idea that then got into yes, a flow chart, that course. then got into coding, that then moved into algorithms. So the level of my sophistication on describing what that code looks like is lacking. However, I will say this. We do not get to pick our parents. We do not get to pick our neighbors. And we don't get to pick our bosses. And what I've learned about that is that in any of those interactions, there is always something to be gained from it. There is always a lesson. And so no algorithm is going to make a perfect match. So, you know, if you're thinking of, you know, the shows on Netflix and things like Indian matchmaking, this is like your bio data and this is your bio data and it's going to make a perfect match and you'll be together forever for the rest of your life. That can, I don't think, ever be promised. So we learn about things where we have commonalities. We Mm -hmm. learn about our differences. What I ask everybody to do is to always remain open-minded because there's always something you can pick up from another personality that may not be, you know, 100% compatible with you on every level, but there is something that is to be gained from that. And that's how we continue to advance ourselves as humans, 
is to learn all of those nuances and all of those niches. So the algorithm does a pretty good job, I think, in matching people where there's going to be something to talk about and it's, it's going to be great. Um, but at the same time, there might be things where we just don't see eye to eye on this. And I think it's in those conversations that you learn how to have civil discourse. We're both JMU grads, right? So James go Madison, Dukes. yeah, go Dukes. James Madison would be horribly disappointed in me if I didn't talk about the need for civil discourse and how that takes place between two individuals or two parties or whomever. And looking at you know where we've been as the United States over the last many years, I think having healthy civil discourse in relationships that, you know, we've got certain commonalities, but we also have some differences. I Mm -hmm. think that that makes for better matching. This concept of mentorship is a very heavy lift for both parties. And one of the aspects of the heavy lift is, is this in perpetuity? And so hence why all these questions about like, how many things do we have in common? And is this a perfect match? And what I realized is don't make this in perpetuity, make this finite. And so that's exactly what we do at turn is we make this a finite relationship, right? There's only so many times that you're going to be meeting with this person for a specific outcome or for a specific program. And in those meetings, it's just identify as much as you can. If we have egregious behavior on any part, which we haven't had to date, thank goodness, but we do have a fail safe, which is we get contacted. And in that contact, we find out what that behavior might be and we make arrangements to take the relationship apart and repartner with other individuals or retrain mm-hmm. or even dismiss, right? So there's the heavy hand of the law that sort of comes in if it becomes something that is super egregious. But as far as, you know, how to connect with somebody, it's connecting with them on a short period of time. Now, if they decide, hey, I've had X number of sessions with you and I am really enjoying our relationship and they want to continue that, they get to do so outside of the confines of turn mm-hmm. mentoring, which I think is brilliant. And we have so many of those opportunities, even myself um, being a mentor. I've got a couple of students that I've mentored at JMU that I've ended up staying in contact with. I've seen them now graduate get their first jobs. Um, I was invited to the wedding of one recently, which is absolutely fantastic. So there are those opportunities too, that you get to take on with, with you, if you, if you choose. Coming up in the early nineties, everything was a very traditional path. And I feel like with Gen X, we're kind of caught in that. We see the windows to the past and we appreciate what it was like to handwrite notes and to keep in touch. Even in my early college time, handwriting letters over the summer, landline calling to the job that you would have for 30 years. And where I got really upset early in my career was that everything that I've studied, I have no interest in. Uh, Software engineering, whatever that meant, COBOL programming, all of those things just seemed really depressing to me. But what you come to find out indirectly without even thinking about it are those friendships and those relationships oh, yeah. and how those connections, when I really connect the dots, that's what led me to get the internship, which ultimately led to my first job, which ultimately led to just keeping in touch, rooming with old friends and roommates from college, their networks and compounding those networks. When it comes to what we learn in university, that's one thing, right? And we, we hope that we can identify with what it is that we want to study and then do for work thereafter. But 
I think the latest statistic is less than 27% of those that are currently working say that they're doing something that had anything to do with their major. So if you're in that 27%, God bless you, you figured it out early and often. But if you're the rest of us, we didn't know what we were going to do. And so that's okay. So you sort of you sort of fumble your way through. I call it forest gumping. You sort of forest gump your way through it. You just <laughs> yeah. show up, something happens, and you just sort of go with it. Yeah. Um, but the connections, as you were saying, that is is really where it can be, you know, a boom or a bust. So if your connections are, you know, high frequency people who are out there with authentic curiosity, asking good questions, listening well, connecting people, connecting the dots, seeing possibilities of things. If you're connected to those kinds of people in college and maybe through your alumni group, you have set yourself up. Never mind your major. You've just set yourself up for advancement, period. Now, if you're connected with people who are always talking about the past or, you know, woe is me, I can't get this done, you know, the, the negative Nancys and Neds out there, then you need to upgrade your frequency. And that's part of what we're trying to do is trying to identify people of great high frequencies that want to give back and support somebody's build out of a better network. At the end of the day, we are here for the people. The widgets are great. All the things that we have access to, you know, all the knowledge that we can gain, it's all great. But, you know, whether you're in IT and you're coding, uh, whether you're a deep sea diver, whatever, you are going to be interacting with a human being on the other end of whatever it is that you're doing. There is a human being that has the need. That's why it's happening. So we need to be able to connect with those people. Yeah. Well, thank you for providing a platform for that. And it's a callback to just old school. I mean, just old school connections, right? Maybe the networking events aren't your thing. This is a way to connect with somebody immediately, learn about their path, their experiences, challenges, successes, and then also their network. So I think a lot of mentees aren't thinking, hey, you're connected to someone now who, by the way, has been in the workforce for X amount of years and have met X amount of people, and maybe they can broker an introduction. So this is a networking event in and itself, just as a program without right. having to go out to the bar downtown from six to eight and past hors d'oeuvres and heavy networking and maybe hit the dance floor at 10 or 11. <laughs> I'm glad this is being recorded because I can use that as a testimonial <laughs> right there. Yes, it is. It is highly personalized. Yeah. However, it's very expansive to your point in that even though you're meeting one person at a time, mm -hmm. you have an opportunity to connect with all those that they are connected that with. That they are connected to. You got to take that open view, not only to meeting someone, learning about their experiences, being vulnerable, sharing what has worked and maybe not worked for you up to this point, learning about what's worked and maybe not worked for them up to this point, but then seeing the bigger picture of how it all networks and, and connects and compounds. Yes. So thank you, Tina, for what you're doing. Just your serial entrepreneurship in Northern Virginia, where we are outside of DC. For everybody who is interested in learning more about Turn Mentoring, visit turnmentoring, T-E-R-N, mentoring.com. We can find Tina on LinkedIn, Tina Fox as well. Be sure to follow her. She's got tons of videos talking about turn mentoring, the program. She's had some very interesting interviews. She's been spotlighted on podcasts as well to learn a lot more because it really is about the founding of the program and you want to be a part of something where you know the roots are strong. And so. I'd like to thank you because if anybody's listening, they have an opportunity to possibly have you as a mentor. So that's thank, right. Thank I signed up. Thank you for joining the movement. Absolutely. No, I was happy to sign up. And um, I, I really do encourage more individuals to sign up, to be a part, to give back. This is certainly a way, if you're finding ways to give back, 
like, well, maybe I don't want to do that roadside cleanup or volunteer for that nonprofit. You could really make a difference for a next generation of workers, individuals, and people who are leading us. So thank you for providing the service. I'm excited. We got to talk offline here about next steps in ramping up the program. But thank you so much for being on the pod. Thanks so much, Rick. I'll talk to you soon. And to everyone listening, thank you so much for your support and listening to the pod of DC. I'm your host, Rick Bernstein, and we'll talk soon. The Pod of DC is a Voice of DC production. To catch up on previous episodes and to follow and subscribe, type in The Pod of DC wherever you get your podcasts.